0: Hi coaches, I hope you're all keeping safe and healthy. I'm sure you've much on your mind at the moment as we all do. Uh, I still plan to push these podcasts out every couple of weeks um, so that we can build an archive for current peer-to-peer learning and and future peer-to-peer learning. So today I'm speaking with Dash Connell. Dash is one of the lucky coaches who have the unique honor to coach at their alma mater. He was an All-American tennis player at Tyler Junior College before moving on to play for the Texas A&M Aggies under coach Tim Cass. He returned to Tyler in 2009 to work for his former coach, John Peterson, before taking over the head coaching duties in 2011 as interim head coach. Dash discusses what it was like to follow in the footsteps of a legendary coach in John Peterson, what he learned from him, and how he handles the expectations for the tennis program at Tyler. We talk about some of the myths college coaches have around junior intercollegiate tennis the pros and cons of recruiting junior college players and much more dash welcome to the ita college tennis coaches podcast Uh, thanks for having me dave Thank thank you thank you Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate all coaches coming on this time of year. I know things are are crazy and you're managing two teams. So you, uh, you have even more excuse not to do it and and push it off till the summer. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate it, but I'm, I'm going to get straight into the questions here, Dash, and, and, uh, we've got a lot to get through, so I'm hoping we can, we can squeeze it into about 40 minutes or so, but I want to start with, with, um, you know, you've, you've been at Tyler, most of your, your obviously playing and, and coaching career. Um, but what attracted you to to Tyler in the first place as a as a tennis player? Yeah.
1: Um so I grew up in the Houston area. And so I knew a little bit about the city. I knew a little bit about the program. Uh, my dad's a tennis coach. So I kind of just grew up around being being around tennis in Texas, you just hear about Tyler. Um I, I was an okay junior. I wasn't uh not your socks off level, but I was okay. I um, had a couple of things in my game I wanted to get better. And so I, I had, a, I had a, a mutual friend who basically said, what do you do? My senior year of high school said, what are you doing next year? And I was procrastinating as much as possible, like a lot of seniors do in high school. And I said, you know, I don't know. And he's like, have you looked at Tyler? And we kind of talked about the benefits and how um, it would be a chance like, to have an extra year or two to get better. Um, my, my, my forehand was atrocious. My forehand was sad. So, um, they gave me a chance to kind of maybe, maybe I could work on that and get better at it. My, my goal in the end was to play tennis at Texas A&M. My, my dad had played there and my whole dream growing up wasn't really can I go pro or can I do any of that? It was kind of playing in college station? Mm. Um, and so that's kind of what drew me to Tyler in the end. Um, was that chance? I talked to Coach Peterson. Um, and, you know, he's a, he was a hard guy to read. He's really, I thought he would, being the, uh, <laughs> ignorant, uh, senior in high school, I thought he would be so pleased to have me on his team. <laughs> um, and he didn't seem like overwhelmed. Um, but at the same time, he seemed happy to talk to me and, um, so I was excited to go after getting here. Um, everything changed though. I, I thought I'd come in and play number one and be the best thing around and, um, I'm barely making the singles lineup, plans with doubles, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just uh, I, my forehand got a lot better. Um, put it through the fire, got a lot better. But really, I guess in hindsight, what attracted me, I wish it would have been the environment. It, I, that's what I left being really attracted by Tyler is just the environment that Coach Peterson made and the team. And um, just old school, the whole school, the environment of the whole campus we have here.
0: Very good. And then so at what point did you figure out that you might actually want to be a college tennis coach and, and kind of how did you end up going back to Tyler as the assistant coach?
1: Yeah, so I I, did, I ended up going to AM. and that, that dream came true, played under Tim Cass and um, got just every day in practice. I was that guy that got beat up a lot and I just tried to push everybody as much as I could. But mm-hmm. um, after that, I met my wife, got married Um, not in that order. I mean, my girlfriend got married and then, um, and then I started working at a country club in Houston. I I mean, if you get married, you got to have a job. And so Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good route to go. And so I, uh, started making some money, um, bit about three, three and a half years of that. Didn't love it. Um, I loved tennis, but I didn't love the scene I was in. Um, had a great boss I was working for that taught me a lot, but, um, wanted to do something else and um so I kind of started looking around and in the back of my mind I think every college tennis player well a lot of them in the back of their mind they wonder could I do that could I be a coach after being around it so much and so I called coach Peterson and just kind of picked his brain or what do you what do you think about me going into college and he really encouraged me mm-hmm. um and to the to the point where the second phone call he called me and said would you come be my grad assistant? Um, and in two years, I'm going to retire and you get to take over. Oh, wow. Um, which, was, which was a big shock. I mean, I've never <laughs> done anything in college. And um, so I, I jumped on that. Me and my wife thought about it and agreed that we'd go together and hmm. uh, just got into it and just just fell in love with
0: it. Wow. Okay. And what, what do you think the qualities were that Coach Peterson saw in you that, that he was willing to kind of make you that offer?
2: I, I think he knew.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't asked him straight up, but he, he we talk about stuff like that, and in those phone conversations, he talked about it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think he knew when I left Tyler how much I appreciated my time here, and so I, there's something about the school and about junior college tennis that. Um, for one reason or another you might appreciate more when you're done with it Mm -hmm. um and so i think he knew i appreciated my time here and i loved it um i think he also i i have some qualities that uh i I like being in charge i guess Mm -hmm. and i like leading people and i like being around this age group of um tennis player uh, between 18 and 20 years old and
0: Mm -hmm. um so
1: i think he knew that and so um yeah, I mean, I was excited to
0: called yeah. Well, well done. That's that's uh, great to hear that that he was willing to kind of make that offer um, ahead of time. And you had a good sense of what you were getting into. And then you were able to prepare yourself for for that transition. But we'll get to that in, in a second. What, what were some of the <laughs> the more profound lessons that you learned, um, maybe from being a player under Coach Peterson, but, but more uh, from the coaching side of things? What, what lessons did you learn early on from him?
1: yeah as a player um, number one thing I learned was really I learned more about team I learned what that meant uh, no matter where you were at on the team how how important you were um, and also uh, one thing he taught me he's not he's not a tennis player originally I don't know how much uh, y'all know about him but mm-hmm. you know, he didn't start playing tennis till he was 25. 26 and because of that background, he is a little different. He's a football player, basketball player, and then a football coach, basketball coach. It's a little tougher. Mm-hmm. He's a little, he's a little different than your, the, the, the country club pro that I might be around growing up. And so he taught me some of that toughness. Um, that, that I, my freshman sophomore year, I remember having to grow into just being a little tougher day by day and each match and no excuses. And, um, he was really valuable for that um as, as a coach and assistant i i learned you know you just it's one of those guys you just sit there and watch and you just you like i can't take enough notes in my brain here um about all the things that he is showing me um but the two biggest things i think that he really showed me um was being involved with college tennis and how important it was to be involved with the ita and with uh, in JCAA and when I get opportunities. I was at, I was asked my first year to be on the rankings committee for my region and I was really overwhelmed by that. Like, I've only been here for nine months as the coach and mm-hmm. they're already asking me to do something like that. And he was like, Well you better jump on man. That's a that's a huge honor and um he's like you you need to do that. Like that that you want to be a part of that growth and that process. And um that was really cool. I, I I'm really happy ever since then every time <laughs> the ITA or anybody asking to do something, it seems like I, I want to do it because I, just, I like being a part of the process and mm-hmm. um, kind of be a part of the whole story. And it gives me a chance to really talk about junior college also.
0: Mm. Well, no, we we really appreciate that at, at, at the ITA. So thank you for your service and thank you for the way you think about that and, and the bigger picture. So that's uh, much appreciated. You said there was a, a second thing as well that really stood out to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> he's, he still does this today. Um, so it kind of catches me off guard. He is still learning about tennis all the time. And that was, mm-hmm. as an assistant coach, that really overwhelmed me. Um, so I, he went, actually went to the ITA. I remember this very well. He went to the ITA coaches convention. Um, and I stayed here, um, kind of holding down the fort. Not really much is going on because it's December. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. just enjoying my time and Tyler. And he comes back and... He's he's really excited when he gets back, and he's like, "I got to show you these three drills." So he pulls me out on this court, and it's kind of cold because it's December, and so I'm not too excited. Um, but he start he'd get the baskets out, and he starts feeding me these drills. I'm running every, and um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's not, it's not Fifteen minutes, I'm exhausted. But it, it dawned on me. I think, like, man, this guy, he's I know he's gonna retire in a year. Like I knew because he had talked to me yeah. about it. And, and I was like, he's still learning. Like this is, um, he's about to win 25 championships in 25 years and right. he still is learning. And that was <laughs> a huge thing. Um, yeah, it's one yeah. of the reasons I keep listening to this podcast we're on right now. Yeah, I keep listening to it because now yeah, just keep learning.
0: Uh, that's, so. that's awesome! I love that story. Um, okay, well, mm-hmm. I hope we're all have that similar mindset at that age and and uh, stage of our career. But um, so, just sure. a last question about Coach Peterson, then and, uh, and and. You know, obviously, you just alluded to, to his, his success and, and, and what he'd established there, Tyler. So did you feel a lot of pressure to, to emulate that success? I mean, was that that's something you had a couple of years to kind of lean into a bit? Or, or do you still feel that pressure today?
1: Um, I <laughs> I probably should have felt more pressure (laughs) than I did. I was, I don't know if it was because the preparation was so good over those two years as an assistant. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt pretty prepared to step in. Um, but you know, the numbers, the numbers never really rattled me. Um, and I don't know, maybe in the back of my mind, I thought I don't have to be, I don't have to win as much as he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, I really felt like was to carry on a program that, yeah, it was really before him even, he would even say that, that, you know, we had a coach Niffen, uh, coach Robert Cox, and then coach Peterson. Um, and the first three guys are all Hall of Famers. <laughs> um, so then I'm the fourth guy. So it, it's more of a pressure of what what kind of program are we going to have? Mm. What kind of respect are we going to have? And how are we going to do that? You know, how are we going to run this ship? And um, that's where I felt the most pressure, I think, is just how uh, mm. how that was going to be shown to the rest of the nation.
0: Right. And, and so how do you manage that? yourself i mean i think i think it's just a question for for all coaches really i mean i think everybody's feeling feeling stress and and pressure regardless of of the situation they're in um you know it's it's very public their win-loss record is is out for everybody to see and i Mm -hmm. think sometimes we think people are looking at it all the time and and they're not really they don't care they're getting on with their own life but but we still feel that pressure but how do you personally manage it is it is it having people like coach peterson still to to speak with is it uh you know some some habits or routines that Mm -hmm. you've developed in season you know can can you share that with us yeah i mean I think having someone like coach peterson still around is a big deal um like
1: he still comes by my office once or twice a week and Hmm. kind of pops in and sees the results from the last weekend talks to me about it and talks about players and just kind of he loves loves talking about it then if i have any issues i could talk to him about it um, having someone there to kind of remind you the big picture is really nice, um, and I'm also lucky. I have uh, Kim Kettleton as an assistant. Kim Kim's been around. You know, he's worked at he worked under uh, Jeff Moore at Texas as mm-hmm. the uh, volunteer assistant, and right, so he he gets part of those pressures too. Um, but kind of like you said, it's probably more um, understanding your goals. Um, I think it's an easy goal sometimes to say, "Let's win this year." Um, and it, it, it's always in the back of your mind, but being, being trying to find an honest way of saying, yeah, that's in the back of my mind, but these are what we're going to accomplish. This is what we're going to accomplish this year. This is a small goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every coach knows about that. It, I think it's really writing it down, practicing it, preaching it to your team as often as you can, mm-hmm. um, kind of goes a long way with just the environment you, you build as a team
0: right right that's great and then so as you then made the the transition from assistant to interim to head coach what were some of the maybe unexpected surprises that that you faced yeah uh,
1: (laughs) the, the the worst one and still to this day, I'm dealing with is that not everyone's gonna like me all the time. <laughs> um, when I was an assistant, it seemed like everyone got yeah. along with me and it was great, and I was yeah. a fun guy. And then I became the coach, and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, I'm the guy making the final lineup, and I'm the guy deciding who gets what scholarship, and, right. um, and so as, so people end up it, it doesn't it people just don't like you sometimes, mm-hmm. and they'll talk behind your back, and which just something I really we preach a lot about is, you know, just being honest with each other and everybody on the whole team. And, but it's still, I mean, you know, we get, we get, we get half our team refreshment every year. So we got to teach that over and over again and mm. uh, being honest and, you know, don't, I won't talk behind your back. You don't talk behind mine. And uh that was something that was hard and that's still hard. And that's just uh mm. because I don't know anybody that doesn't want people to like them. Sure. Um, if you want, it's nice to have someone like you. <laughs> um, and so the, the the player relationships changed a lot, and I guess the other thing was as the head coach, especially those first couple years, um, having people, um, giving them a reason to respect me, I guess is a good way of putting it. Um, coach Coach Peterson, I won't, I won't talk about him too much more. I obviously had a man crush, but <laughs> he um, he taught me very beginning. You know, it was short leash. And then slowly you can let that leash out on your players. Um, start off strict, start off, um, make, make sure you know your boundaries. And so they know the boundaries too. And then later on, you can give them more freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to learn how to do that and, and earn their respect. I couldn't just be the fun, loving assistant coach who was just, we're going to play some tennis, get better at it and love the game. and mm-hmm. um, they had to, it had to be a little more disciplined to it. And so i um, Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting transition. It still is, technically. I'm still, still learning it
0: yeah no no doubt about it you definitely have uh, some more sleepless nights as a head coach than you do as an assistant <laughs> coach that's for sure um so how did you then i mean like you said following three hall of famers how, how did you put your own personality your own philosophy your own stamp on on the program with with the teams your administrators your your boosters or supporters how, how did you make it your program
1: yeah so I, I stole a lot of things from the coaches before me that I learned from. So it probably didn't look a lot different on the outside
2: mm-hmm.
1: as far as how practices were ran, um, or how matches were scheduled or, you know, what our themes were at the team.
2: Um,
1: I think where I probably changed it was a little bit of the team environment. Um, and kind of just that we were a family when I played here and I still, I still felt like that. But I think even more so that's been developed. Um, where we've been able to learn how to to love each other doesn't mean you like each other all the night, all the time, but it does mean that you care for each other and you love each other still. And so I think that's been able to been developed, and it's a pretty gradual process. Um, it didn't happen in six months. But I think over the ten years I've been here, uh, we've gotten a pretty good environment of every year uh, the sophomores showing the freshmen. This is this is how it's done. Doesn't it, you don't have to? We don't have to hug all the time. We don't have to love each other. Actually, we love each other all the time, but we really do. No, you really will love each other. Um, so, I mean, uh, a little more on the. I guess one example of I think how I do that. Um, I do this thing called Word of the Day. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on. No. Do this on Facebook. Um, but before some matches, we'll go around and I'll get a word of the day from each player, um, and kind of just talk to them. Kind of just. See what their vibe is like. Try mm-hmm. to, uh, one of the main reasons my, my assistant coach, um, about four or five years ago did it first. And I just, I loved it. I fell in love with it because it kind of, it showed, number one, it showed the families, their, you know, their, their kids' faces. They got to talk, you could see them talk for 10 seconds, you know, between each, before each match. And, mm-hmm. um, doing that kind of, I think, set the environment of what we're looking for. It's fun. It's a good atmosphere. At the same time, you know, we're showing a conversation with each other and hopefully it shows um, that conversations with coaches and players are open and um, they happen often. Because if you can do it on a phone, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like on a camera, if you can do it pretty easy there, then you'd like to think you could do it right. um, when it's
0: harder also. Yeah. So, is there any word that popped up that you really didn't want to hear on match day from one of your players? <laughs> Listen, what
1: was the funniest? The funniest story is we had, uh, you know, junior college, we get some people that might be learning English a little more than others sometimes. <laughs> right. Um, so we had one young lady. Um, she speaks good English now, so she'll laugh about it. But one young lady who, the first four or five times I did it, she said the word forehand every time. I said, what's your word today? And she'd go, forehand. And I was like, all right, well, okay. all right, let's move on. You know, I don't know how to respond to that one. But um, yeah. She had a good forehand, though, so maybe, maybe it worked out. Oh, okay.
0: Know. She was just reinforcing <laughs> her strength. Uh, that's yeah. good. Okay. Um, so, well, yeah, if we can talk a little bit more about... Junior college in general, like what what myths do you think exist in 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 the college coaching ranks about junior college tennis? Not not the recruits or parents or anything like that, but within the college coaching ranks, what what mm-hmm. myths do you think exist? Um, I think there's a little bit of a, a couple um, that I hear
1: about because uh, you know a four year coach will call me um, about some of our players, and and one of the first things they ask about is how are they academically. Um and there's this myth that they're broken academically or, or you know, there's something missing mm-hmm. when really a lot of our, our players just haven't been taught how to be academically successful. They haven't been taught what uh, a study hall looks like. Mm-hmm. They haven't been taught what study time looks like. And so um, that's one of our jobs is to kind of teach time management to these guys and girls. And um, So I think that's one thing that floats around uh, questions like yeah, that the academics might be a little weak when I don't think that that's necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so another one I, I hear some it is the level. Um, junior college is a tough thing to recruit in that there's a wide variety of players. Like if you get um, your top guys or top girls in the nation, there's some there's some really good Division one talent. Um, and then as you as you go down rosters and um, go down um, rankings. You, you can see that level drop a little bit. And so I think there, the coaches who recruit um, junior college well, I think understand um, what level they're looking for. And, um, you know, just, just because if I to be frank, if, if I say I have a number four player, that doesn't automatically write them off because there's three players on my team that I have above them. Right. And right. Um, you got to kind of do your homework. And um, so the level is kind of something that we we deal with sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And th- this question might be a little too similar, but but what are maybe some of the main differences between junior college coaching and and the other divisions, uh, other than the obvious one to two years that that players are staying in junior college?
1: Yeah. No. I love this question because this is uh, this is right in the moment for us right now. Mm. Um, so what, one of the things we have to do is. I have to develop a team and that same team atmosphere I was talking about earlier. And I have to do it with half my team being brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see we played against Baylor yesterday. Our girls team did, and they taught us a lesson. It was a great one, but <laughs> on the court, but uh, you know, but then talking to Joey about it, you know, he's so pleased with his team this year because they have, he has some, seniors you have some upperclassmen that have to really showed the culture
2: hmm.
1: um i don't junior college doesn't have that um i'm depending on someone who's in their third semester of college to be a leader and to teach the culture right. and know how that works um and that that's a to me that's a big difference um yeah that i think you'll see a different development in freshmen in junior college and you will it a well to four-year school mm-hmm. um a, a freshman in junior college feels a lot more pressure. If they're not playing, um, but they're trying to be recruited. And if they're not playing, they're not being recruited. Um, if I'm a freshman at a four-year school and I'm not playing, I got three more years to go. I can figure this thing out. And so there's a different kind of pressure um, on those players. And um, right. I think in the end it makes them tougher, but it's just a couple of different differences and that you'll see this coaching in junior
0: college, I think, than you see at the four-year school. Mm, no, it makes makes a lot of sense. And and so, what would some of the pros and cons of recruiting junior college tennis players be? And and should you know more coaches consider recruiting from the junior junior college ranks? Yeah, <laughs> your
1: second question. Yeah, I think so.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's the coaches that re- recruit junior college players. I think. They repeat often. Mm. Like they'll come, they'll, they'll dip into that jar often um, because they see the kind of person they get from junior college is a little tougher. I, I really believe that. You, mm-hmm. you get a junior in college, and my, my job here at TJC is to train them, train my players. When they're done here, they're a junior in college, they're an upperclassman, and that's on the tennis court, emotionally, day to day. And so um, it, it's something that I wish. I think more coaches should do. More warrior coaches should do. Um, you know, one one good example. The way we do our national tournament. Um, I think it's the most fun. No, no offense to the NCAA. But I think ours is the most fun event in the world of tennis. I love it. It's flighted and it's pressure packed. And it's the very first. The very first day is pressure packed because if you if you lose first round, then your team doesn't get the points that they need um and that in your in your flight
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know in a, a dual match setting you lose your match your team wins 6-1 film you're okay you got another day to talk about it so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um there's a lot of pressure i think there and i think all junior college players are tougher just because building up to that that week two weeks that you see at the end of the year um i, I think they, they've kind of been through the ringer a little differently mm-hmm. so going into their junior year They got, they got a little edge on their shoulder, a little edge, a little chip on their shoulder.
0: Okay. Interesting. That's, I think that's wonderful for for coaches to hear that and, and uh, expose themselves more to to recruiting junior college tennis Mm -hmm. players and understanding that world a little bit better. So, um well then what in general are, are maybe some of the the biggest challenges that you face you've already alluded to to several of them one of them one of the biggest ones being that you have the players just for you know almost half the time that that traditional um you know four-year schools have them so but what, what other challenges do you feel that you you face um that maybe coaches at other divisions or other programs or or you know uh, just coaches in general uh mm-hmm. face
1: well, I mean, it, it's funny. I I hear or read the word challenge right now, and it, it it's not a negative word. It's just something you have to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the challenges we deal with, I think, in junior college in general, is usually you know dealing with budgets, things like that. How are we going to recruit when you know you're sometimes it's hard to find. It's easier with technology today, with you know computers and the internet being able to see players play a little more, but you're still mm-hmm. trusting a lot of people. Um, there's, there's challenges like budgets and things like that. For me specifically, I think it's how we're going to keep junior college students growing, um, and exciting. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, that's the biggest thing I, I, I keep coming back to, um, because we, I, I know NCAA has also, but we've lost programs and, um, it's, it's, uh, the number of teams has died down. So I'm trying to find ways yearly of how can we make this more exciting, how can we develop programs? How can TJC mm-hmm. help other schools? Um I it's I think it's a story that's not talked about a lot. I mean technically I didn't have to go to junior college when I was when I was younger, but I wouldn't have gone to Texas A and M and played there if I didn't have junior college. Right. Um and so it's a big deal. I think Half of our players are non-qualifiers in NCAA. Mm-hmm. And if they come to junior college and graduate, they become academically a qualifier. Um, and so that's the venue. I think we lose a lot of great student athletes if we don't have junior college. Or right. um, enough of the right junior colleges. So th- those are the, mm. the thoughts of the challenges that kind of go through my brain. Of uh, Junior college is important. and uh, I'm biased, obviously, because I'm in it. But um, I think it's a really important piece of the tennis world that we need to keep growing.
0: No, definitely and and that helps my education also Dash, to 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 hear that and just uh the work I'm doing with the ITA and and so thank you for sharing that, that uh I definitely take that to heart. Um and and so if the, if there are young coaches out there listening that are maybe starting their their college coaching career, uh why do you think they should maybe consider coaching at the junior college uh, level? What 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 would uh you think would be your your recruiting message to them yeah uh to me
1: it'd be the foundation i mean it'd be i I don't know whatever they would want to do in their future it would be up to them but the school i'm at i i'm I'm very lucky i have a lot of great things but at the same time i understand how a budget works i understand and i get the waters out every once in a while for practice for matches Mm -hmm. um you know I, i fixed windscreens this morning um this is kind of little things but then i'm in charge of recruiting by myself and um i think in junior college you get a lot of places where you're in charge of everything and you'll get some help um but your hand is in everything you wear a lot of hats Mm -hmm. and i think it sets a really good foundation um of deciding do do i want to do this and and then when i that's if they move on to a four-year school and they're only in charge of half those things. At least they understand how the other half works mm. and they can understand the dynamic of putting it, I think a whole environment together with not just the players, but with your coaching staff, with people helping with the program, the athletic department. Um, I think it just helps uh, kind of see all the pieces and work better with other people. Mm. Um, so there's lots of, I think there's lots of chances to grow in junior college.
0: Yeah, no, that that's a great point and it's something I've got into with a few other guests just in terms of how they've come through the ranks and and what they learned in in those earlier days at different programs and we had Brian Boland on recently talking about his time at Indiana State and uh, my own experience even I, I started my career at DePaul University as the head men's tennis coach and and you know then moved on to Northwestern Oklahoma but what I learned at DePaul where your budget is much smaller and you're 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 fighting for every little um, piece that you can get to help your team be better I mean I. I I think i learned the most uh from that than i did uh being in a power five so um again that's a great message to young coaches if you really want to to learn and then eventually be able to appreciate those things that that do come your way if you decide to move on to you know a power five or something you know a four-year uh college with with a big bigger budget and and more resources then you'll actually appreciate it and, and know how to maximize those things so um yeah. well well one more question would be um how would you advise junior college coaches to to maximize their program's potential obviously that's something you're you're doing fantastically well at tyler but but how could other coaches go about maximizing their potential and it doesn't have to be at the junior college level it could be at any level
2: right
0: mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny you just said uh bolin's name i, I listened to that last one mm. that
1: you guys had and he said, use what you have. He used what he had at Indiana State. And that was a, that, I, I really liked that message. I think everywhere you go, I don't care if you have two courts and they stink and there's cracks in them. Um, you can, you have other resources. You have your effort, your love, your the community. Even if it's 10 people in your community, you have people. And so you use what you have. And um, I think that'd be the biggest message to any program's potential. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, we're lucky at Tyler. I think, um, as far as junior colleges go, we're, we're one of the top facilities. Um, we have a campus that houses about 10,000 students, maybe a little more than that now. Um, so it's a, it's a legit campus. It it is a big campus and has everything you need here: training room and, and trainers at our teams. And so we're not, compared to my, uh, my, my junior college friends, we're not hurting um, but we we still, those things get old, however that sounds. Um, I think, sadly, people get used to playing on a facility, at, you know, mm-hmm. after a week, they think they, they just get used to it. And mm-hmm. so you pay attention to what you really have. I mean, facilities go away, they come and go, but relationships, and like I said, the community, that that's the stuff, I think there's a lot of potential for different programs.
0: Sure. No, thanks for that, Dash. Um, well, we're going to move into a uh, rapid fire. So this is a new new addition to our podcast <laughs> here. So I'm I'm you're the guinea pig for this. So we'll see how it goes, and if it if it goes well, maybe we'll continue going forward. But uh, bring I'm, it on. yeah, okay, you're ready. Well, I'll I'll ask the <laughs> questions quickly, but you can you can uh, take as long as you want to answer. But the first one is: What is a book that made a major impact on you as a coach?
1: Um, this is Leading with the Heart by Coach Krzyzewski, the Duke basketball coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually read it in college and I remember reading it, it it impacted the way I thought about my team when I was at Texas A&M. Um, but he, he basically, it's technically, it's technically a business book, I believe, but he Mm -hmm. talks a lot about team, um, and how a team functions together. And it just, I mean, it just stuck with me. I still use it today with our team uh we'll read they from me every once in a
0: while and um i love it cool okay what's your favorite drill
1: I have a doubles drill called crush and crash that's that's what's well, my favorite i think it's my guy's favorite too because it, it's, <laughs> it's probably the best time of day to hit somebody if you're mad at them or something because there's a lot of overheads a lot of aggressiveness and a lot of crossing and um, okay. I mean, that's the name crush and crash. So it's pretty fast, but,
0: okay. um, can you give a us a quick, quick rundown of how it works?
1: Yeah. So it's, a uh, it's one up one back on both sides and then I'll basically feed for the server. I'll just feed it and they mm-hmm. have to come in off my feed and then the returner has to hit the return and come in. And so after the first shot, we already got all four guys at the net. Um, and they'll kind of rally the ball out. And the second that's done, I'll grip I'll a ball at the net, another net guy. Mm-hmm. They'll rally that one out. And then when someone misses a ball, I'll, I'll feed a lob. And then the two guys in the net, I can basically get back, play defense in the overhead, got in the overhead, try to win the point. And then you kind of get a kind of quick rotation. We can get eight to 10 guys in the court and kind of rotate real quick and just do, you know, a couple guys at a time on each side. Um, But it, it's not, it's, Pretty often that a guy will walk off the court with a a knot on his side or something
0: that he, some someone hit him and you know go get him next time kind of thing. Okay, well we won't encourage that here at the ITA.
2: <laughs> but thank no, you.
0: No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Good stuff. Okay, so can you name one thing you have changed your mind on in recent years, whether that's in coaching or in life?
1: Yeah, um, probably. <laughs> my point of view on um, talking to other coaches that are at my level in junior college, I think when I first started, it was like, you know, they are um, my, uh, my competitors. I want to beat them. And so whenever we talked about anything, it was like, okay, how can I, um, what are they telling me? I'm really trying to, it's just being competitive. I was trying to figure things out and now I, I listen to them a lot differently. I think I listen to them trying to think about how does that impact, like I said at the beginning, but, other than in fact, junior college when they're complaining about recruiting or they're complaining, they're talking about, man, I wish I had this or I wish the rules were like this. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I try to think of it from just a different perspective. Hmm. Right? Okay. I'm, I'm still I'm still working on that one.
0: Sure. OK. And then do you have a favorite quote?
1: Yeah, it's up on our, our board right now. Change is inevitable and growth is optional.
2: Mm.
0: we have a lot
1: of change here in junior college and it's your choice whether to grow or not.
0: So Cool. Okay. Yeah. And what is one lesson you hope all your players have learned by the time they leave Tyler junior college?
1: Yeah. I mean, I really want them. It sounds really corny, but I really want them to love and care for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something I want them to get better at tennis. And I want them to be better teammates. But I think if they learn that attribute of how, I'll give you an example. I talked to one of my players last week. We had a player meeting last week and we, we talked about, um, who do you think the best practice partner is? Who, who's the one guy you want to hit with in practice? Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone kind of gives different answers. And I'd ask them, why aren't you the guy? Why aren't you the best practice guy? Mm-hmm. And everyone kind of seems off because when they go into practice, they don't, most people don't think, well, how can I be the best practice? Usually it's about me. Right. Um, so just, just a little example, we're trying to get them to understand maybe this isn't just about me. Maybe this is about the collective and what can I do for other people? And then hopefully that carries out into serving them in other ways too, not just tennis based, but you know, how can I serve other people in the community just in any way? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they can leave here with that, I think it impacts their families, and the families they grow, um, their spouses later in life and, um, and whatever job they have, I think all of that impacts all of that.
0: Sure, no, it's a wonderful aspiration. Um, well, Dash, that you, you survived our first ever rapid fire round. Well, well done. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that. I think I think we need to do that again. But thank you so much for your time today, Dash. I I, I learned a lot from it. Um, like I said earlier, I really appreciate your your efforts to promote uh, junior college and, and college tennis in general, and, and your work with the ITA. So keep up the great work, and um, look forward to seeing you down the road.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Thank you,
2: Dash.